When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. It is Hot Routes time once again. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here. And Jonathan, it was a pretty gray day outside. Pretty gray day in in the lives of Vikings fans. And I want to go through some of the things that have been suggested to me today. Because this is kind of a a main topic. I want to have a little fun with the show tonight because it's been a little heavy over the last couple of days. If you've been listening to the show here about uh, what it means for the Vikings to be 0-3. And And so uh, in getting DMs and emails with lots of interesting takes and ideas, I um, was attempting to come up with like, what's the what's the spiciest thing I could come up with? Like what's the hottest take uh, for hot routes, of course. And and what's the biggest thing I could go back and say, you know what, maybe they should have done this and then everything would be different. And so here's what I came up with. All right. Trey Lance. I came up with Trey Lance because the Vikings had a chance to trade for Trey Lance. They had a chance in probably March, I would guess, to possibly go after him then or somewhere around the NFL combine. And then at the uh, end of training camp, they also had an opportunity to trade for him. The Dallas Cowboys gave up a fourth round pick, which is not that much, not that hard to beat. Maybe if you were giving up a third rounder and if Trey Lance were the backup quarterback of this team, then maybe what we would have is a situation where you could turn the ball over to a young and unproven quarterback if things went completely sideways and Hey, look, things went completely sideways. And I know the season's not over. There have been teams to go. zero and three and make the playoffs. It's a rough ride from here. And uh, you know, they have a good enough offense to do it. They probably don't have a good enough defense to do it, but if they're zero and four, if they don't win this week, because Brian Burns gets three strip sacks or something, then you're going to look around and go, there's no one to really turn the ball over to. It's not like you'd be finding out if Nick Mullins could play. Jaron Hall was like the fourth quarter guy uh, in the preseason and is not ready to play in real NFL games against real NFL defenses yet. So there's nothing to really look forward to. That's why that trade thing probably won't happen. So I mean, what do you think? I don't know. Should they have traded for Trey Lance? Like, if you could go back in time, do you think, yeah, you know what? They probably should have, knowing what we know now. Uh, I think absolutely. I mean, looking, like you said, at knowing what we know now and how this thing has played out, if you could take a time machine and nothing else changes if you if you make that trade, I think absolutely, because as you said, it makes moving on from Kirk Cousins and kind of punting on this season a little bit easier because you're it's not like you're banking on 
you wouldn't be banking on Trey Lance being your quarterback of the future because you still have your first round pick and you get whatever you get for Kirk Cousins in return. But I mean, it allows you to move on and feel comfortable. Hey, this is we're not going to be good this season. Let's see if we have the quarterback in the building. And if we do, great, we can use a top 10 pick on another wide receiver or a defensive end because we know this team needs defensive linemen at this point. I mean, it it would have allowed you if Trey Lance actually turns out to be the guy, which it doesn't look like he's going to be at this point in his career. But it gave you that chance to explore that opportunity and explore that possibility that he is the guy. And if it doesn't, well, then it doesn't matter. Your season was bust anyways. I mean, you you just kind of wasted a season of Justin Jefferson. You wasted a season of Christian Derrissaw. But at least you took a chance to see if this guy could be your quarterback of the future and you ended up with the top 10 pick and you draft your next quarterback and you don't even worry about it afterwards. I mean, I like the idea. I mean, but I mean, looking at it from that standpoint of when the trade happened, obviously they didn't do it for very many reasons because it seemed like they were going all in uh, on this season, but it hasn't turned out. But if you're going back in time and you know what you know, you knew, you know what you know now, I think absolutely you take the shot because it makes it a hell of a lot easier to move on from Kirk Cousins because right now you're not turning it over, as you said, to Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall because it's just that's going to be even worse than it would be with Trey Lance because there's no opportunity for that to work out in the future. I think um, that it, with when it comes to Trey Lance, I, I could never really make it make sense once we got past training camp, once he struggled as much as he did during preseason with the San Francisco 49ers, and it really felt like his career is on the rocks. In March, it didn't feel as much that way. It looked a little bit more like Brock Purdy had just become Kyle Shanahan's darling and left poor Trey Lance out, and he has had so few opportunities to play. And so if you were going to say there's a regret, if you knew you were going 0-3, it would be not doing it then, having a full off season of Trey Lance, being able to bring him in, actually play him, set him up with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, and see if anything is there. And from a selfish standpoint, it would have been very interesting this offseason. I mean, you would have been talking about every training camp practice becomes interesting, every preseason mm-hmm probably play and we would be going can he be the quarterback of the future maybe he can maybe he can't Uh, oh look he had a good practice today oh he didn't have a good practice today you know going back and forth on that and then there is always the possibility that he would be surprisingly a really good fit now the thing about Kevin O'Connell and Kyle Shanahan is they run very different types of offense and maybe pushing the ball down the field a little bit more as opposed to reading short crossing routes and things like that would have worked for Trey Lance with a downfield wide receiver like Justin Jefferson, or maybe it would have completely blown up and been awful, but either way you would have found out. Now, I I always felt like it was better to just focus on the next draft because of Trey Lance's timeline. If he turned out to be just okay, then you had a real problem on your hands because are you going to Daniel Jones him and sign him to a $40 million contract because he's already used up several years of his rookie contract? So I could never make it all quite work together, but... I think that you would still do it because you have to exhaust every possible option at the quarterback position. I don't know why it sticks in my brain so much, but when Carolina 
drafted Jimmy Clausen in the second round. And then they went right back to the well and drafted Cam Newton or when Arizona drafted Josh Rosen and mm-hmm. put out a tweet that said, Josh is our quarterback. And then they drafted Kyler Murray. Like it wouldn't keep you from drafting someone the next year. If you were unsure about Trey Lance. And the other thing is too, I wonder if there would have been any opportunity like with trading Kirk cousins and it's, you know, pointed out that he had a no trade clause and and stuff like that. Of of course, this is not necessarily realistic because in practice, I totally understand why they did what they did. I'm not saying, Hey, you should have traded for Trey Lance because I never really was sold on the idea anyway, but kind of interesting if you were able to know that you were going to start off this way, that it would have been another swing and maybe you trade cousins and get another draft pick from Atlanta or something whose quarterback might be the worst quarterback in the entire (laughs) league. If only any of us, all of us could have seen that coming for the entire off season. But if they had Kirk cousins, Atlanta would be great right now with all the weapons that they have. So there had to be at least some interest around the league after he won all those games. I think that they couldn't really do it because he won 13 games. And if he had won nine, then they would have probably moved on from him. And I'm not sure if it would have been Trey Lance or not, but I mean, I, you know, I, I think that, it's at least worth kind of wondering how you would do a do-over if uh, you had known that they were going to go 0-3. And then, I mean, maybe that kind of leads into the, the, this is why they can't really trade him and just have to kind of go for it because it's not like they would be trading him to turn the ball over to somebody else. So even if Lance was Kirk's backup and they didn't trade Kirk, you would still have this reasoning to go, Hey, we're one in four. We got to find out what this guy is. But now I think even if you start one in four, the argument will still be, Hey, they could turn it around. Look at their second half schedule. It's totally reasonable to get on a run and get back to 500. And and so at least it would have given him that excuse to kind of bail and focus on the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with how the Wilfs have operated this franchise since they took over, I don't think Quasi, especially coming off that 13, 13 win season was going to ever be able to convince them that, Hey, yeah, that was great, but let's kind of step back a little bit so we can get our quarterback in the future. You were just never going to be able to pull that off, as you said. And yeah, having Trey Lance there and going one and four to start off the season does allow you to do that. And I think that would have been the smart play, but you would have had to know you're going one and four to start the season. I'm fairly positive. They felt pretty confident about their first couple of games that they could have probably taken two wins out of these first three. Uh, and well, that didn't happen, obviously, but I think looking back at it, obviously it makes a ton of sense, um, but it was going to always be difficult and it probably still will be at this point to convince ownership because that's, this is an ownership question. This has to do with ownership. They will be involved in this. If Kirk cousins is moved eventually, depending on what their record is, uh, it would be a heck of a lot easier to convince them if they had someone like Trey Lance, like, Hey, we're going to try and explore this and see if this is the guy it's not going to be all bad. At least we're trying something. But if you move on from him now, you don't have anything in reserves to kind of look forward to the future other than, hey, we got this top 10 draft pick coming up and we don't know who it's going to be. But yeah, it, it keeping Kirk Cousins feels like the most likely option because of how the Wilfs run things and how, the, as you said, the second half schedule looks a little bit easier and looks like they could bounce back if they can kind of fix some of the turnover issues and fix a little bit of the defensive issues. 
Yeah. Um, so I want to know from you, Jonathan, because you're always scouring the internet for uh, your work, obviously with us, but also with our friends that bring me the news. I want to know what the wackiest takes you've gotten is uh, this is a good one um, uh, with the hottest take is the Vikings running the table and winning the Super Bowl. You know, I did see in the comment section the other day, a little bit of the R E L A X like from Aaron Rodgers the, the one year. And I was like, yeah. I don't know, man. Oh, and three history is not very good. I, I think Owen oh, two, you could say relax. Oh, and three, you probably can't uh, saying that you still think they could go to the Super Bowl. That's pretty hot. I, yeah, I don't know if I've seen that other than right there, but uh, what, what's the, what's the crazy, because I think that when your team's Owen two, everyone is pretty optimistic still with based on the players you have, that you can be pretty good. But 0-3 is kind of a major gut punch, and I think it breaks people's brains a little. Uh, based on some of the takes about where the franchise stands and everything else have been pretty wild to me, and I've got one that stands out that I think will shock you a little bit. Um, but even just the talk about the front office and the direction of the team and everything else, there's a part of me that makes me want to go like, Hold on, everybody. <laughs> like, all right, let's not let's not declare the entire future of the franchise to be trash now because they started the season 0-3 on probably actually statistically the unluckiest start in the entire NFL. There was a chart that was put out uh, mm -hmm. that showed that. Now, that doesn't mean I think they'll be good going forward. It just means that they were bound to play close games, and if it went wrong, it was going to go wrong. Uh, but their future is not worse because of what's happened in the first three games. But I've seen a lot of that. I think that's maybe a, a little bit of a more natural reaction. But what do you got? What's the craziest thing you've seen? So I immediately when I saw this question, I went immediately to the Vikings Reddit page because we all know Reddit forum boards is just goldmine for this stuff. So uh, here's a couple that I found. Uh, Flores coached Sunday like an eight-year-old playing Madden and then had a picture of the Engage 8 play on defense where it's just you blitz eight players and you send three back in coverage. That was a good one. I like that one. Okay. Let me, um, let me, yeah. you say them and then I'll respond to them because yeah. that's sort of true. But when I watched the tape back, I saw them play off coverage and give up slants and hooks. I've, I saw them play tight coverage and, and, and give up slants over the middle and routes from Keenan Allen. I, I saw them play a lot of different stuff, a lot of different types of blitzes. Justin Herbert, ran away, made great throws. They didn't blitz for like one play. And Justin Herbert sat there for five minutes and then threw a laser beam to somebody. Yeah. Uh, I like, I think it's certainly questionable about the second half to keep doing the same things. But I just think when you face a quarterback that good with as little talent as they have, that's what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know that Brian Flores lost his mind. I think he just thought, I'll stick with the game plan and see what happens. And, uh, uh, you know, bad things happen. So, all right, on to the next one. Well, you also brought it up, I think, yesterday or in one of the podcasts that his first year in Miami, he had the worst defense in the league, and they went out and spent a boatload of money to shore up that defense, and they quickly vaulted up the defensive charts. So if it's not like they had a lot of talent this year, I mean, they obviously got rid of a lot of veterans, and they brought them in to scout out some of these guys. And there are, there are some promising guys, but the defense overall has not looked great. But I don't blame – floor is completely on that uh another one uh kevin o'connell to blame 100 percent. this team is built around the offense and he is red zone challenged okay yeah the red zone the other day was brutal Oof. but where you can separate the scheme 
from the players is when you watch back on the tape and you look for were there opportunities. So there's a play in the red zone where Alexander Madison is screaming across the field wide open. And I think it's Joey Bosa gets there just in time and it's not a touchdown. And that's a blocking issue. That's maybe a Kirk realizing it quicker issue, but it's not scheme. Guys wide open. There's another play where Jefferson comes underneath the formation. KJ Osborne goes around the backside. He's open, but I think that's the second read. So Kirk didn't get to it. It was just a slight bit late. Uh, how about the end of the game? Osborne's wide open and he just overthrows him by ever so slight. Mm -hmm. And and let's give Kirk his props. That throw to TJ Hawkinson is a hard throw and it's on the money. My guy's got to catch it there. I mean, there is there yep. is nothing that they really should have done different on that play. Yes, they should have spiked it. But the way that the play worked out, he was there standing 10 yards away from Cousins or whatever, throws it right to him, right in his arms, and he doesn't bring it in. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that there's been some things game management-wise. How about kicking a field goal early in the game from, like, the six-yard line? Like, I don't, I don't endorse that. Um, I think there has been some maybe overthinking at times, but overall, when you look at the, the tape and also you look at the data and you see that the Vikings caused more mistakes from the chargers, this was another thing that came out today, caused more mistakes from the chargers defense than any other team caused for the opposing defense, except for one. And everybody knows who it was. Denver versus, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins. But the Vikings were second. Like, the Chargers were were leaving open receivers all over the place in that game. And you need to not fumble. You need to catch the ball. You need to whatever number of things. So it's been really, if we were going to say last year was lucky, we can't just ignore that this year is unlucky, what's right. happened so far. So I think that there's been a lot of people immediately trying to jump at the coach. And I think that's just a reflex. Like there's no evidence at all that Kevin O'Connell is a bad coach. Really? Like, I don't think so. And compare, look around the league, look at Josh mm -hmm. McDaniels, look at the bad coaches and, and how obviously bad it is. They win a bunch of games in their first year, have the best culture that they can have. And then they do the thing that you brought him here to do, which is pass the ball all over the yard and lose games on some bad luck and bad defense. And you're like, it's his fault. Like, I think that's maybe like a skip Bayless type of like, just let's ignore everything else and just point at somebody. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not anointing him the next uh, Vince Lombardi or Bill Belichick or something. I just think that you kind of like with the Steelers, where they just ride the wave, like they don't ride mm -hmm. the wave. If if it's a down, they they just Tomlin's our guy. If it's up, Tomlin's our guy. I think yeah. with O'Connell, unless you are way short of expectations at some point, then you have to kind of like let let's not overreact every week to what happens with the coaching. But could his game management be better? Uh, I definitely think that it could. The running game can be better. There's there's definitely things in there. So. Yeah, long, long, long-winded response to that, to that take. I've got two more. Uh, one, Cousins isn't the reason this team can't win. Defense wins football games. It's a time-worn statement that holds up. I mean, I think in this case, so it's been a long, long-held thing with Kirk. It's been every week. I mean, as long as you and I have known each other, it's been, is it Kirk's fault or not? What yeah. percentage is Kirk's fault is you, we could do pie charts and it's always like, what percentage is Kirk's fault? And some, 
I mean, he missed the wide open throw to Osborne. He took a couple sacks that were kind of bad on third downs. He bizarrely, and I don't know if this was the play call, but this is an O'Connell shortcoming on third and two launch the ball down the sideline. I don't know what was going on there, but that's happened too many times during O'Connell's era. Like, run the ball three yards or throw it to David Morgan. If he's still around or something that used to be his thing, like David Morgan would be like third and two and they'd leak him out and throw him for three yards. Josh Oliver, whatever you, whatever you want to do, Johnny Munts, anything but that. Um, So I, sorry, I got off on the rant there. Oh, Kirk. It is Kirk's played great. I mean, Kirk's played great. I I just, I don't think you could expect anything better from a three game start to the season from Kirk cousins. He threw it right into KJ Osborne's arms. He got it taken away for a pick. He threw it right to TJ Hawkinson. He fumbled it. He threw it right to him later. He dropped it like this is, I mean, it's, he's played good football so far and they have found ways to lose it, but it truly is not Kirk's fault. Now, I mean, Defense, I don't think defense necessarily wins championships. Um, We saw that last year in the Super Bowl. But if you have a bottom five defense, you're not winning anything. I mean, that is just, I looked this up last year, Jonathan. I I think it was, like, I, I looked at the last 20 teams that went to the Super Bowl. And most of them allowed fewer than 4,000 yards. And that was 16 games. But fewer than 4,000 yards passing most of them allowed lower than a like 95 quarterback rating against. I mean, they have at least somewhere between real good and great defenses. And this is just nowhere close to that. So it's going to be very hard to overcome. And when you waste three really good performances by Kirk cousins, there's going to be days where he's not good. And then you're going to go, well, you lost. It's your fault. And it will be his fault, but it's like, well, he's not going to go 17 for 17 on good games. So uh, that's that's what makes this a tough uphill climb. What else you got? The last one. Uh, I'm so sick of the skeptics being proven right by this team. It's embarrassing. That's why I cringe when diehard fans pump up the team and claim they're going to win this or they're going to win that. Last year was fun, but it's starting to look like it was a smokescreen. Folks, we are going all in on prize picks this football season. And this week, I figured that Justin Herbert was going to throw for a lot of yards and nailed my pick, but I underestimated Kirk Cousins. Let me explain. If you haven't heard of it, prize picks is the easiest and best way to play daily fantasy instead of battling against thousands of other fantasy geniuses who spend all of their time doing fantasy. You just pick more or less on between two to six players stat projections. And that is it. So if a quarterback's number is 250, you say more or less and bang, you're playing. You can pick from hundreds of players and numbers this football season. I nailed my Justin Herbert pick going over 283.5 by a country mile, but I went less on Kirk Cousins going 297 and uh, yeah, missed that one. He went well over 300 yards, but the cool thing is it was quick, easy, and does not cost an arm and a leg to play. You can turn $10 into 250 with just a few taps. It will fit your wallet and your busy schedule. This is something we're having a lot of fun with all season long on Purple Insider. So go to prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash purple. The code word purple. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Well, I mean, since going eight and one, they're five and seven. So 
Yeah, I mean, it was. It was the exact opposite of what this is because that's how the pendulum swings in the NFL. Sometimes, I mean, this team is taking it to the extreme, but like sometimes <laughs> you get the fumble, sometimes you don't. I think the Chiefs went like 14 straight games without losing a fumble one year. I mean, it just like crazy stuff happens in the league. But when you have a really, truly bad defense, they can't get after the opposing quarterback or can't stop the run against Philly or whatever and you have a good enough offense to compete you're just going to you're just going to live or die with that you can't really overcome anything and i think that's a we're a long way away from this being a good defense i mean if they're talking about concerning parts of the roster that would be the biggest concern for me is how do you get from point a to point b because i'm not really seeing it with the young defensive backs Cam Bynum, I think, has had a good year, but like the rest, who's a who's a centerpiece? Is Ivan Pace really a centerpiece? Probably not. More of a complimentary player. There's an, this the, the whole defensive line might be gone. Oh, and how are you rebuilding it? So there's a lot of work to be done. But I'm going to top all that. Uh, all right. At least two people have reached out to me to say, should have hired Harbaugh. I mean, crown him, crown him. That's tremendous content. That is well done. You got to give it to him. If you came up yeah. with that, if you're watching the game on Sunday and you're like, should have hired Harbaugh, I got to give it to you. You're insane, but I love you. That's so good. That's so good. No, you shouldn't. Have. No. Harbaugh's a lunatic. What are They're fine about? with what they've got. It's just <laughs> Harbaugh's not, wouldn't have been able to fix this. I'm sorry. Harbaugh suspended. <laughs> Self-suspended, but he's back now, but yeah, suspended. He's about to come to Huntington Bank Stadium and wreck shop against the Gophers. But yeah, I don't think oh, yeah. I don't think Harbaugh's Harbaugh would have fixed this. Do they go 13 and 4 with Harbaugh last year? I mean, does he really is his uh his personality really that much different than Mike Zimmer's? And does that really change the culture as much as Kevin O'Connell's did? And clearly that was part of that was one of the bigger, one of the reasons why they were as successful as they were, because it seemed like there was def definitely a culture shift and that worked for a lot of players last year. So yeah, I, I don't know that Harbaugh's fixing this start. No, I mean, I just, I, I'm so happy someone came up with it though. It never yeah. even entered my mind. <laughs> I mean, Kevin O'Connell made a really good case for coach of the year last year. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Uh, I think that that is not the issue and someday it might be. But I don't think today is the day to decide that. But that's good. That's good stuff, though. I mean, that's Absolutely. like when I, when I came up with the the Trey Lance thing, I was like, that's pretty good. But it's not that good. It's not as good as the Harbaugh thing. Hey, by the way, uh, Jonathan, we have to actually these days on our live streams, we have to pay our bills. Okay. So uh, we are going to take just a quick one minute break to pay for our, a little bit of our, our content here. And we will be right back. Guys, I know you might act tough and pretend that you don't care about how the skin on your face looks, but we all want to show up to those football parties and holiday get togethers looking good. That's where Caldera Lab comes in. Over 100,000 men trust Caldera Lab because of the way that an easy skincare routine turns into clearer skin. They get results. And hey, it makes a great gift as well. You're going to want to try out 
about the regimen, which has three simple parts, the clean slate, which is a face wash that leaves you feeling refreshed, the base layer that moisturizes and hydrates your skin, and the good. This helps your skin look tighter and smoother, and dare I say, even a little bit younger with the reduction of wrinkles and fine lines. If you've looked in the mirror and thought, when did I start looking like this? Well, the trials have shown that 94% of men showed improvement in their appearance using Caldera Lab for just a few weeks. So just for you guys, use the code INSIDER at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. That is 20% off at calderalab.com with the code INSIDER to make an unforgettable first impression and give the best gift this holiday season. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I pre-recorded that because I screw that up so bad when I'm trying to live <laughs> read it, just to let you all in on why we did that. So that's going to be a part of the live stream for now on, and uh, be excited for us that that uh, we have sponsors, so we can keep doing this. Uh, anyway, let's get to the comments. Someone is very excited for you. Hold on, I'm going to find that comment. Uh, yes, yes, here we go. Uh, from Ale, great to see Jonathan, especially after a Dallas loss. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jonathan. Uh, you can say it. You know, it was glorious just watching it happen Sunday afternoon as, as the Cardinals, the worst team in the NFL, the team that came in wanting to go as bad as possible, beating the team that had an impressive two weeks. I'll hand him that. I'll hand Mike McCarthy that. His first two weeks were impressive. But then they come out and lay an absolute stinker against the worst team in the league. Arizona Cardinals got their one win of the season and it was against Mike McCarthy. I can stand on top of this hill and never look back because Mike McCarthy lost to the worst team in the NFL. Prove my point. It might not be the worst team in the NFL because the Chicago Fair. Bears exist, but that's totally fine. I mean, you this is your day. This is your day. <laughs> um, I will say that like every good team in the NFL has one loss that's hard to explain. I think the didn't the Chiefs last year lose to Indianapolis? So yeah. it does happen, but gloat today because uh, I'm not sure where that's going uh, in the future. I would guess Dallas still turns out to be pretty good. Yeah. I wouldn't change my opinion on them being good. And I also think that in January, you will also be gloating at some point after they've had <laughs> the playoffs. So uh, there's that. Uh, let's see. Uh, the best dad advice says Andy Dalton is the last quarterback. You want the Vikings to face in a must win game. I agree with that, by the way. I mean, also, Hey, like Justin Herbert beat them on a bunch of quick passes. That's kind of what Andy Dalton can do these days. It's like the only thing Andy Dalton can do these days, but he can. And he kind of did that to him last year. 
I hope Young is good to go this week. Yeah, if they're going to turn this around, uh, they've got to have Bryce Young in because I think Bryce Young would probably be a disaster against Brian Flores' defense. All The other point, though, is they don't exactly have Keenan Allen, who is one of the most underappreciated great wide receivers in the NFL. And boy, did he go out of his way to prove it uh, on Sunday. Um, but I, I agree with that though, Jonathan, don't you think like Andy Dalton is such a classic end your season quarterback. Like he did it to them in 2020. They're kind of on a roll and like, all right, you know, they're getting going. Here's Andy Dalton. They should be up. And, uh, I think he led a game winning drive in that game. He almost won a game or led a game winning drive against the Vikings in London last year until the kicker double doinked it. So, yeah, I mean, this is not a guy that the Vikings want to be playing. Uh, especially with the Panthers looking to at least get a couple of wins in a week NFC South. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but that's uh that's a really good take. Uh, AS says giving Kirk a no trade clause when they didn't need to do anything with his contract should be a regret, especially since they didn't even use cap space to extend JJ. Now he can block a trade as unlikely as it is. Uh, well, so your timeline's a little, a little wonky there with Kirk's contract situation. That was when Quasey and Kevin O'Connell first got in that they did an extension with him. That was a short term. And if I had to guess, I would say that, the only way that cousins would agree to the short-term extension they wanted is if he had some control and gave him the no trade clause, but the no trade clause can be waived. So, you know, if they're Owen four or Owen five and he doesn't want to keep piling up L's on his record and wants to go play for gang green or something, then, you know, like he can do that. He, it's not like no trade means can never trade. It means, he has to approve a trade, but the way they redid his contract, I didn't love it at the time and still don't for this year because it puts so much cap space into next year. They are done with that though. After next year, if they don't extend him, So it's kind of a give and take. I mean, that's, that's how it goes with these, uh, these contracts. Uh, Ale says, I think you overestimate Trey Lance's abilities. It would have been a waste of time and starting 0-3 doesn't change that. Well, I mean, his abilities are raw abilities. were good enough to make him a top draft pick. So, you know, I mean, at least you would have been giving a shot to someone who has some potential to make him that draft pick. But in general, I agree with that. Like, I, I thought if a team like San Francisco was ready to bail, then... I don't think yeah. you want to touch that. It would kind of be like if someone said before we saw Zach Wilson again, Hey, what do you think about taking Zach Wilson as like a backup now, or maybe a future quarterback? I was like, nah, nah, it's pretty bad. And now we've seen it again. Um, but, but do you, do you agree with that? Uh, Jonathan, because it seemed like, it seemed like you kind of liked that idea of going back in time and getting Trey lines. I did, but I don't think I ever, viewed it from a standpoint that he could be the guy for the future because it just hasn't proven. It's just the fact that you were taking a shot and experimenting because if you're 0-3 and you go into 0-4, at that point, what's the point of keeping Kirk Cousins? Because you can if you can get a if you can get a pick for him in this upcoming draft and you know use that either use it as a draft or use it to help help you trade up, whatnot, then why wouldn't you do it? Because it's really hard to come back from 0-4 and you are less than likely to make the playoffs. So at that point, move on from Kirk Cousins and just see, just take the chance that that there's something there with Trey Lance. But I'm, I don't think I ever viewed it from the standpoint that 
you're trading because he is your guy of the future. It's just to give you a better, a, a more clear reason why, or another, a better reason to move on from Kirk Cousins because you have this opportunity to see if this guy can be your quarterback of the future. I think if there was a 8% chance, well, if you go 0-4 or 1-5 or something, I mean, and take an 8% chance that you get a good quarterback is way better than a 0% chance yeah. of, you know, you're just going to have to, and it doesn't preclude you, and this is uh, Jared's point, it doesn't preclude, preclude you from taking somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point. Like uh, Jared says that using Trey Lance for one year may have uh, made us bad enough to draft top five. We'd have so many options. And that's, I mean, that's another part of it. It's a, it is a lock dead ass guarantee that if Kirk Cousins stays here, they will get to seven. They will get because they play Denver. They play Vegas they, in the division. They'll get two against Chicago. I already found four. Like, I mean, it's yeah, there's yeah. uh there is a lock there. Uh, I think they'll take one from green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if they take one from Detroit, like the, they're getting to seven. So if you had a really bad quarterback and you are a really bad team, then you wouldn't be getting to seven. Um, Chase says, are we not going to talk about how the front office only wanted to trade for Bryce young? That is not actually what I heard, but oh, okay. Maybe that was out there. Um, so, uh, so far that's very concerning. Bryce young's played two football games. I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. That's yeah. not quite all. They should have hired Jim Harbaugh stretch, <laughs> but that's a stretch. He's played two games. He also doesn't uh, have a whole remember. lot of receivers to throw to there in Carolina. So it's not like he's got a whole lot of help on that offensive side of the ball right now. Right. And I mean, and a team, another team like evaluated him and traded up from number nine to get him. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they, Oh man, they were all in on Malik Willis, number one overall. And then he was taking the third round or something, or it's not like they built their franchise around Desmond Ritter. Uh, so, you know, I, liking the guy who went number one overall is really not going to give us a lot of information. Um, you know, I, I bet the whole league liked Jamarcus Russell, but I mean, that's not what Bryce, he's played two games. I mean, that's, yeah. th that's ridiculous to even talk that way. We, I think, when they get receivers, when they build their team up, Frank Reich's a good coach. Like, well, then we'll find out. Uh, even though Stroud and uh, Richardson have looked a little better so far. Uh, the best dad advice says it's interesting how quarterback hasn't really been the problem lately, other than money spent on the position. But our D line is so terrible. I want to go back to beefing up the roster and plugging in a rookie. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the plan. That's the plan. And that's why we keep talking about like, don't lose sight of the plan. Cause that's the plan. I, I guess the concern for me is they drafted a bunch of guys. Isn't it remarkable, Jonathan? I mean, Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, uh, DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones. Who am I missing? Like there's a couple other, Oh, Janarius Robinson. And they kept arguing the next Daniel was on the way and none of them have worked yeah. out, not even close. And then, you know, the Marcus Davenport move was probably, maybe ignoring some injury history that was pretty serious. So I think that the lack of finding anything development from the previous regime has really left the cupboard bare more than anything. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why the previous regime is no longer here because had they been able to find, continue to find and develop that talent, they'd most likely still be here because they'd have a talented enough roster that would have been able to play around the giant massive Kirk contract or Kirk cousins contract. Like, that was part of the reason why the team started failing under Mike Zimmer is because they didn't have 
the ability to pay a lot of guys and pay out a lot of money because Kirk Cousins' contract was so big. It hampered their ability to load up the roster like they did in Mike Zimmer's early years here. And that is certainly coming back to bite uh, this regime now is after they get rid of, after they got rid of a lot of veterans this last off season, they didn't have anybody to replace them. And they tried with a couple free agents. Uh, as you said, Marcus Davenport, the injury history has gotten in the way of him doing anything for this team other than four plays in Philadelphia. But I mean, Byron Murphy had a bad game. Other than that, he's been pretty decent at that position. Uh, just got roasted alive by Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen's a really good receiver. So you kind of expect it from time to time, but yeah, the, the lack of ability to find good talent in late in the later rounds of the draft over the later years of Rick Spielman's tenure here is really hurting this franchise right now. It's not because of one 2022 draft. Folks, you might feel like it's getting a little chilly outside, but this is one of my favorite times of the year to get out on the grill. What's better than cooking up something great in front of a hot flame with the cool fall football air around you? I love it. You know who can help you get the most out of this experience? Grill Masters Club. I am still working my way through my last box, and it's funny, I enjoyed the heck out of the Kunami seasoning and was totally surprised at how good the peach barbecue rub was. And even better, they added a little spray bottle that helped me up my game quite a bit and instructions to show me how to do it all right. Go to grillmastersclub.com and check out all of your options. With each box, you get five barbecue products just like the ones I got. Marinades, spices, rubs, tools, and more. And you can do it all on your schedule. Monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly. Stop and start whenever you like. The team of certified pitmasters at Grill Masters Club has cracked the code on delivering award-winning small batch barbecue products on whatever schedule works for you. You guys know that I'm busy, but I get out there and use Grill Masters Club products all the time. Join the club. Go to grillmastersclub.com and get 50% off your first box with the code PURPLE. And while you're there, check out the member reviews to find out what others are saying about the month-to-month Grill Masters Club plan. Again, grillmastersclub.com, 50% off your first box with the code PURPLE. I think that everybody looks dumber without cap space. I mean, like Rick Spielman's a great example. The defense that they built in 2017 between him and Zimmer was unbelievable. Star talent everywhere. The worst players were good. I mean, the Terrence Newman's like the worst player and the guy's a, a, you know, 10 year veteran in the NFL who's proven and and still could play. Uh, But they built that through signing Linval Joseph through development from actually some of the previous regimes drafting some of their own drafting, um, you know, Barr and Kendricks and, but Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, they inherited those guys. Those guys are stars. Uh, I don't think that this current regime inherited anything on the defensive side. So there there's, you talk about the rebuild. It's like you have an offense that could compete for a championship. You have, a defense that is just completely barren still and they're trying to figure out it's only three games so I, I don't think we know about like Byron Murphy very tough game one thing about Byron Murphy just as, as you bring it up Byron Murphy was a very good nickel corner mm-hmm. and I was under the impression during training camp that he was going to be the nickel corner with Makai Blackman outside along with the Caleb Evans it has not been that way uh, they've played Josh Metellus like 75% of the snaps 
And Byron Murphy is being asked to be like on an island in this game. I don't get it against one of the best receivers in the league. If there's one thing to talk about with Flores, that I don't really understand. Now, I think he's trying to play his best players and not overload Makai Blackman. So I get it, but that's not what he's best at. And no surprise, it didn't go very well. Uh, Scott says Flores uh, Attell. <laughs> Uh, I think, I think if you're Ed Donatell, I don't know where he is these days, but you're probably watching that game at home, just sipping your tea a little bit and being like, I know the feeling B flow. (laughs) I know the feeling. I think the Donatell defense, the Fangio style, whatever, I think it works with the right players. They didn't have the right players, but they also did have more talent last year than they did, uh, this year. Uh, let's see. Rich says with KOC coming from two good coaching staffs, why would he address? Why wouldn't he address? I assume you mean the O-line first. He has a non-mobile quarterback. I mean, they did like they drafted a second round guard. He's just bad. Like, and the rest of it, which part were you supposed to address? I mean, if you wanted to change centers in the off season, who were you going to get? Trust me. I looked at the list and wasn't great. You're not changing either of the tackles. I mean, I do think they should have signed Dalton Reisner day one for whatever his price was. I agree with you, but it's not like when they got here, they didn't make any move. They tried to improve that right guard position and it didn't work out. Here's the other thing, Jonathan, I'm going to tell you something. No, you, I want your reaction. No one wants to hear this. Society cannot handle this. Kirk cousins is not one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL this year. He, by the numbers, the 20th most pressured quarterback and the Vikings as of last night going into the game, I can check this right now, see if it's changed and and it's, it's going to upset people. They have the fourth highest pass blocking grade by PFF right now. There hasn't been that much pressure on Kirk cousins. The problem is when he has been pressured, it's really been a problem. It's like strip sacks, third down sacks. It's ruined drives. That's true. But the offense and the passing game and cousins and all that, that's been good enough to win. And I think Reisner helps, but that's been good enough to win. It really hasn't yeah. been the issue. I don't think. No, it certainly hasn't. I mean, there have been, as you said, it's the turnovers that have absolutely killed this team. I mean, they have the great, it seems like a great first drive against the chargers. That's going well until TJ Hawkinson fumbles the ball. And that ruins what would have been an excellent opening to the game for the Vikings. They had Justin Jefferson running down the field in Philadelphia, looking like he's going to score a touchdown. That's going to keep that game close or put them ahead. I can't remember exactly what it would have happened at the time, but he fumbles it into the end zone and turnovers turns over the ball to the Eagles. That would have changed the game for sure. For sure. I mean, they've had plenty of these turnovers that have hurt them and it's not because of only because of the offensive line. I mean, those two examples I said were down the field. They weren't like the strip sack in against Tampa Bay. It, it, We've, we've known about the strip sack potential with Kirk Cousins. I mean, we've seen it in the past with him here over the last six years, but it it's those moments. It hasn't happened a lot because they've been a, doing a pretty decent job of getting the ball uh, to his receivers and out of his hands. But yeah, it's it's when the, the pressure gets in that it really causes problems, but it hasn't happened a whole lot this season. Yeah, I think this is more of a matter of, like, think about this way. If you're a baseball team and you've had bad closers for like five years, and you can't close out a ball game, even if your closer only blows five saves in a year, every one of those, you're going to be like, we need a new closer. We need a new closer because you've been hurt. People have hurt you. And look, the right guard is as bad as you all think he is, but 
one week link, they've been able to mostly overcome that and throw the ball a lot. There's been a lot of clean pockets for Kirk Cousins. Like this has been good enough to win all three games. This offensive performance, uh, his performance and the offensive lines has been good enough to win these games. They even were good at run blocking the other day. I mean, I think with Reisner in there, it's a pretty legit unit. It's just, you know, I mean, you can't fumble, what is it, nine times and lose all of them? I mean, there's you, a reason why we heard good. Kevin O'Connell get upset, like for the first time in his tenure here, is when he came out and said, if the guys keep fumbling, I'm going to, or keep, if they don't fix the issue, I'm going to replace them. Like, that's not something you normally hear, or we're, we've come to expect to hear from Kevin O'Connell over the last year and a half. He does not, he does not call, publicly call out his players, but he did uh, on Monday. And that was a very telling sign that that's probably the biggest reason why this team is 0-3 right now is those turnovers. And he's, he's grown irritated of it. You want to hear about pizza? Well, let's, let's do it. 30 seconds. Talk about pizza. Folks want to remind you to make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during their pizza pizza pregame one hour before NFL games and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. I'm just going to try not to laugh at myself each time, but I, I'm telling you, it's better this way. I promise you all it's better this way. So uh, it's kind of odd though, right? Like I think that when things go wrong, our natural inclination is. So just think about it this way. Like if there's a random, a boulder comes down a hill and runs into your car. I think if someone tells you that happened to them, what's your first response is to be like, why didn't you stop? Even that, <laughs> right. I think the same thing happens when, when it's like, you don't want to accept that the fumbling has really been the issue. And you're like, well, why didn't they have a better guard? And I agree with you, but that really isn't what's caused it. in uh, in my mind. So anyway, that's, it's an interesting subject though, of just kind of how, um, you know, how we process these things when they go wrong and who we decide to point the finger to. Um, yeah, that's always, it's always an interesting discussion. Uh, let's see. Eugene says, I think their biggest regret should be the timing of everything that they've done waiting to clear up cap space with internal moves prior to the start of free agency and other obvious moves like adding interior offensive line help. Yeah, I agree. Don't you? I mean, it's, it was always kind of funky. Like why wait for Delvin cook? for as long as they did. Why wait for Zadarius Smith to swap fifths? Like, were you afraid the bears were going to get him? Like maybe that was it, but nah, uh, you shouldn't be afraid now. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Like some of the timing on everything was just kind of odd and uh, waiting to clear the cap space, but also timing of everything in when Kevin O'Connell got here with an ownership that clearly wanted to run it back and did not allow you to clear that cap space early. So you could have it now. So like if you had moved on from certain players before 2022, you would have had it going into 2023 and then, you know what I mean? And instead they reworked everybody's contracts and actively hurt themselves to try and win in 2022. But that wasn't the front offices, at least from what it sounds like, at least from the hints that have been laid down. It doesn't sound like that was really their first choice that they wanted to do a lot of what they did this off season, last off season. So that's a little bit of the timing issue as well, but it does set up 
to have cap space going into the future at some point when they move on from the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the timing really has, as we said throughout the show, it has really come to bite bite the Vikings this season, and it's really showing in really drastic ways. But yeah, the timing has been questionable, especially lately uh, with, with the Dalton Reisner signing, with going with trading for Cam Akers. Like, I, I guess uh, it's a different, a little bit of a different conversation than what that question was. But uh, those two signings now at this point really don't make sense after the 0-2 start, and then you don't even play them uh, on Sunday. So that makes it even more questionable because now you're in 0-3. That's a very difficult hole to climb out of, and you've already – now you've spent the money acting or putting pushing your chips in the middle trying to win this year, and you're very close to going 0-4, and then the season's essentially over one week after you brought these guys in. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I was laughing at this from chase Bryce young will be a disaster. Watch this game being his come out party. Like <laughs> Josh Allen, 2018. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to play. I mean, I was kind of assuming it's Andy Dalton, but yeah. I guess we will, um, we'll, we'll find that out. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see where he goes, but if, if he does play, I mean, there's no quarterback that can't have a good day against Minnesota Vikings. And that goes for four years since 2020. Yeah. It is remarkable. And this is like people are talking about, you know, Quasi drafting. And, you know, I think he took the approach of trying to rebuild the secondary because it was so bad. And I think the secondary talent is uh, at the moment, like, okay, Bynum has turned into a good player. Harrison Smith's not what he used to be, but he could still play a little. And, uh, you know, you've got two young corners, three when you add Makai Blackman. Like that, that to me has potential to get better as we go along. The defensive line is, I, I I don't know how we can look at it and not say it's the previous regime's issue, right? I mean, they, they didn't have cap space to be able to sign anyone outside of Dean Lowry and Marcus Davenport. Davenport was considered at the time to be a good signing because of his underlying numbers. Uh, obviously, they're regretting that a bit right now. We'll see if that changes. Um, but I, when you go when you go back and look at the draft picks, you cannot have, and I'm not trying to pin it all on Spielman, so don't get me wrong, but when you draft, and I, I added this up one time, it was like 18 players since 2016, and none of them became good except for Cam Bynum. I mean, how can you do that and have a good defense or have a good defensive line? So yeah. um, uh, anyway, Lee asks, uh, how do void years complicate the ability of a team to trade a player like Hunter might want to ask Brad Spielberger. I think that what happens there, if I'm not mistaken, is that the team that has the void year still ends up with the cap hit. But that is a good question. You're right. That might complicate it. I think that they'll still be able to trade um, trade Hunter if they need to. Uh, one before I die says, is it possible Dalton Reisner could be a long-term move also? Yes, definitely is. If he plays well, he could be more than a rental. I think that's part of it. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a weird, it's just a weird place. It's a weird place to be Jonathan, because I think that when we went through training camp and the off season and everything else, and you went through the moves and you said, well, what, well, what one was wrong or what one was crazy. And I think there's a point in there about the timing and everything. I can't really find something that was totally illogical. And maybe Dean Lowry. I don't know. Like there wasn't much left there, but like, who are you going to get for a couple million bucks that could just play the position? I just, 
I have trouble thinking that there was an answer that was different than this, that there was a player to sign a player to draft when they only had a handful of draft picks and a second rounder went to TJ Hawkinson first rounder went to Jordan Addison. I, I'm not taking those back. So pretty good I don't know that there was an easy answer to fix this defense outside of what massively overpaying Tomlinson giving an old injured to Darius Smith, a huge raise. Like what, what was the answer? They were just going to have to kind of live with this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they tore it down for a reason. They knew that they and they brought in Brian Flores for a reason. They they very they pumped up his his ability to scout these guys and find these guys and kind of develop uh, these these raw talents. And it felt like they knew that things might not be great on the defense, that it might be another step back on that side of the ball. But, yeah, it just doesn't it didn't feel like especially with the how little of cap space they had throughout most of the offseason before they finally got rid of Zadarius Smith and finally moved on from uh, Dalvin Cook. It just felt like the lack of cap space didn't allow them to make a whole lot of moves that would have changed anything for this season. So yeah, with what they were working with and how the, the offseason played out and considering what we were thinking about this team beforehand, before this season started, I can't really fault fault them for what they did. It just feels like they did the best that they could with what they had. Uh, would you probably like to time the different the moves for Smith and Cook a little bit differently to allow you to move on from them earlier and get got get better or different guys in? Sure, but uh, with how this thing was set up, it just didn't feel like there was a whole lot else different that they could have done. Right. I mean, usually what ends up happening is there's a couple top free agents that can be difference makers. Yeah. And then there's a lot of free agents that are there for a reason, even if they've had good histories and the Vikings got a couple of them in Lowry and Davenport, hoping that they could throw back to a year before. And so far it hasn't worked out and it's hard to go back and look at those lists of free agents and how much they got paid and go, Oh, well, it should have been that guy. Uh, Matthew says, apparently I'm in the minority here. But I like most of the moves Quasi has made minus 2022 draft. Most important is not getting sucked into another Cousins extension. The QB decision is number one. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's always been a, and this is why I talk about 0 and 3, and that's why we went into the overreactions and, you know, some funny Reddit takes and stuff like that. But uh, I think it's like, how reactionary do you want to be to what you just saw? Because if, just for example, I fast forwarded you to mid December and I told you that they're six and eight or something. If you didn't know it happened, oh, and three, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like the season I expected, maybe a little bit worse, but kind of on track. And uh, it was probably, probably a fun, halfway fun season, but just not good enough. And that's what we expected and onto the draft. But when it happens like it did, oh, and three, and it's, done so fast and I like to cover games too. <laughs> right? I like to preview games. I like to talk. Yeah. We haven't said Derek Brown or Brian Burns more than maybe one time on the show. Like I want to talk about that as well. I think it's so deflating that we start to look around and go, I mean, come on, man. Like uh, does it, we can't even have a, of an entertaining season here, you know, like, and, and start to look at all those different things of, um, you know, should they have done this? Should they have done that? Uh, actually, a good point. Good point brought up in the comments here uh, uh, from T. Kubler. There was an NFL YouTube analysis that crapped over the Vikings for not taking Will Levis. Well, look, I mean, we're all wrong about the draft sometimes, <laughs> um, but it's a good point that they didn't take Will Levis. So 
as far as like the bigger picture stuff and the direction, well, you know, I, I think that, um, they're, they're basically on track. If I had to guess based on their schedule for what we would have expected in a not great result for this year, but in the range of possibilities for what this year was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a lot of talk that this team could win 10 games, but there was also a lot of talk that this team could, uh, have a losing record this year and be in the running for a top quarterback. And it's just the way this season has started has left a lot of sour tastes in a lot of Vikings fans mouths right now, because Oh, and three, I don't think was one of those expected ways that this season would start. And so, yeah, it's just the way it started has not helped, but I think if we're all being honest, if we're, if this season comes out and they don't make the playoffs and it's a losing record and they have the ability to take their quarterback in the future, I think we'll all be happy with with that result because that means they have their their plan seems to be falling into place with what they with what they set out to do and I think that would be great because that means you have you have a path forward and the path towards contending because you're on the the rookie quarterback contract and that we all know how well teams can build around that. Okay, we got to get to our prize picks, but I want to make sure I get some other good comments in here from Scott. This is what a competitive rebuild looks like. It's very difficult to compete, especially with the first place schedule. Totally agree with that. These Mm -hmm. first three games, two of the teams are good. You lost the one that wasn't. And uh, this is kind of how where you end up. Uh, One before I die says sounds like ownership's unwillingness to take a step back has actually set the franchise back. Uh, They need to step back and let the football people do their job. Yeah. I think that at that, we have to remember that at the point they fired Zimmer, there are no football people. You just fired them. So they, (laughs) so they're making the call there. Uh, And then I think that the trust had to be earned from Kwesi Adafo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, which I would say they did in their first year, especially that NFLPA survey cannot be mm-hmm. understated how important that would have been to ownership. And then look what they did this offseason. They did a lot of rebuilding. So I think if you go back in time, there's multiple opportunities to tear it down and rebuild that would have had us in a different spot now, 2020 most notably. But um, yeah, they, they probably just set the clock back a year However, if that results in landing in a great quarterback draft, then maybe uh, God shuts a door and opens a window. I don't know. Um, From digits, Matthew, I've been saying, address the interior offensive and defensive line all offseason. And now here we are. I will remain a Vikings fan for life, but short-term thinking kills me. Uh, Yeah, well, look, I mean, this is the point about going back to the previous regime about the defensive line is – and they tried to patchwork it with Zadarius Smith and Delvin Tomlinson, and those guys were good, but there's only so much that they could do. This goes back to the missed draft picks and everything else. Um, the interior line, yeah, Reisner should have been signed. I agree with you on that. Yeah. There's no debate there. They're a different line with Reisner as opposed to uh, Ingram, but um, who might be, I don't know, is he Dakota Dozier? Yeah, probably. Like, But Dakota Dozier was a backup, not a second-round pick. Interior D-line, I mean, look, preacher to the choir, man. Preacher to the choir. I, I have wondered why since um, really Sharif Floyd and Tom Johnson, I mean, I, oh, uh, Sheldon Richardson in 2018, but they've just basically gone vibes on the interior. Uh, that's yeah. just not, that's just not good enough. Harrison Phillips probably weighs 290. I mean, that's, that's not a nose tackle. Th- that's a huge issue. I totally agree, but I think it really dates back to drafting a bunch of guys who never became anything. Uh, Matthew says what happened to Tonga thought he had a good camp. Now he's not even playing. He got destroyed by the Eagles. And I think they just wanted to try something different. 
I, I don't know. I mean, last year he had a pretty good little run, but it was playing next to some good players. And, and that's the thing. It's just like basketball. There are some dudes who can look decent playing next to really good players. But if you ask them to do it all themselves, it's not really going to work. Uh, yes, T. Kubler, we know they could have taken Kyle Hamilton or Jordan Davis. That's not new information. Um, and that's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Not taking Jordan Davis, especially. I mean, I like Kyle Hamilton too, but Jordan Davis. I Look, you're never going to uh, get me to say I don't want more fat people. <laughs> Are you serious? I, th- I think this has been my long-held belief, lifelong belief. Ask me any team's nose tackle who's good. I probably know who it was. Like, it is a huge deal. There is a Mm -hmm. gigantic trickle-down effect if you can't run up the middle, if you need two linemen to block one dude. Bill Belichick is a pretty smart guy, and that guy had Vince Wilfork and Alan Branch and, like, big, giant, fat dudes all the time. I totally agree with you. I don't understand why they didn't take that draft pick at the top. I'll never understand it. I will never understand it. So that's, you want to talk about regrets and going back in time. Like that's one to go back on. So anyway, uh, well, we've got probably too many comments for me to get to all of them. Oh, <laughs> it's, oh, it's nine o'clock. Yeah, so miss people get one. their hot take. Uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray to the Vikings this off season and draft fat guys. Hey, I'm not. Uh, and uh, I agree with you. Jordan Linval was the key to our good defense. He was a key, a very big key. Mm-hmm. Um, did you discuss the Atlanta trade? Did Atlanta make a trade or you mean trading Kirk to Atlanta? Um, I think trading Kirk to Atlanta. Cause I looked and there's oh. no Atlanta trade that I can see. Okay. Like it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. They should, they should have, uh, yep. but I mean, Atlanta, I don't understand them, but we don't have time to solve more than one team's problems. <laughs> I was talking to, um, uh, let's hear. Oh yeah. 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 All right. The, uh, you waiting got for this Jonathan? one. What do you I don't got? have any you takes got for uh, Taylor Swift takes. I don't have any takes. If it's bringing in a whole new audience, I'm all for it. I mean, that's exciting, but I don't have any takes. I know you're the one who went, you're the one of the two of us that went to the concert. So you let, you have, you let us know your takes. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Like uh, Travis Kelsey <laughs> seems like a fine human being yeah. and I can't wait for the album. She writes after they break up. <laughs> so that's, that would be my take. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think people like, if you get mad at it, I just don't know what you want. I mean, so yeah. it's, it, we can have a, the game was 41 to six or something like what, what else are they going to show? I mean, all yeah, the time when games it. like that get get out of hand, they they find other things to talk about to keep viewers interested because clearly the product on the field after just watching the Chiefs just run up the score on a, just a helpless Bears defense. Just it gets a little a little tedious after a little while, especially in the fourth quarter when Patrick Mahomes is already out. Yeah, that was, that was, um, I would have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. I, I would have talked about Taylor Swift and made jokes about it the whole game if I was calling it too, because there's nothing <laughs> else going on. And I just feel like getting mad at it is like taking yourself a little too seriously. So, you know, anyway, yeah. uh, let's take a look at prize picks. Uh, by the way, we have been uh, doing okay with our prize picks or, or me. Uh, I've been doing okay with them. So far, kind of hit or miss, as you might expect from my work when it comes to this. And by the way, if uh, you haven't tried it, prize picks, as you've seen us do on the show, pretty fun. Prizepicks.com slash purple. If you go there, they will match your deposit up to $100. And it does not take a whole lot of money 
to play prize picks. So if you're not into like putting a thousand dollars or something into some crazy fantasy league, this is great because you just pick more or less on a player as far as yardage goes. And that's all you have to do. So we got to pick Kirk cousins each week. I was wrong last week, Jonathan, very wrong that uh, I, I thought they'd get ahead and run the ball. They did not. I'm going to go less this time though. I'm going to go less than 283. I don't think they'll need it. I don't think that they will need over uh, 300 yards from Kirk Cousins to beat Carolina, at least in an ideal world. What do you think? I think that's what you said last week, and that didn't play out well. So I'm, I think until until we see that this team can get ahead and stay ahead, uh, I'm going to continue saying that Kirk Cousins will throw for more yards because it just feels like for this team to succeed, they're going to have to live off of that pass game. So I'm going to go more yards here. Okay, I'm going to go Justin Fields with more than 168 yards because he's playing a team that just gave up 70 points. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for every time Justin Fields seems to be completely done, he'll have like a good game where all the Bears fans go like, oh, you see, it's pretty good. Uh, and that defense is so bad. I think that they're going to change things after what happened, try to get him going a little bit, and then he's going to clear 168. It's also such an obscenely low number that yeah. I, I'm going to go with more than 168 yards for Justin Fields. Honestly, though, I just wanted to try to pick Justin Fields here. That's what <laughs> I, I don't really blame want. you. I mean, that number, as you said, is obscenely low. 168 is almost in. Yeah. it Yeah. You have to go more there. There's some good ones uh, here with some good, interesting matchups. Like, do you go Josh Dobbs over 188 against San Francisco after he just had a good game? That's a good question. Brock Purdy lighting up Arizona seems pretty likely after they had kind of an outlier game, uh, a Mike McCarthy game. You might say, my Sam Howell run might be over after last week. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great last good. week. Uh, yeah, tough choices, tough choices. I am going to go with the Buffalo Bills being very motivated to show Miami whose quarterback is best and Josh Allen going for more than 265 against Miami. So my prize picks are uh, less for Kirk Cousins than 283. Uh, 0.5 Justin Fields less than 168.5 and Josh Allen uh, more I'm sorry Justin Fields more than 168.5 and uh, Josh Allen more than 265.5 so there you go prizepicks.com slash purple they will match up to a hundred dollars um yeah pick Josh Dobbs uh bet you didn't have that on your bingo card a month ago <laughs> yeah I mean who loves a journeyman quarterback thriving more than this show? If we could build a team, I would have a journeyman quarterback, the best nose tackle in the league and a dynamic fullback, and we will win a championship. So that's guaranteed. Anyway, well, give that a try. That's pretty fun stuff. And, um, whoops, this is how we're supposed to be. There we go. And, uh, we'll go from there. We'll see. It's going to be, I mean, this week is kind of make or break because if they win this week, we could start getting into a game of talk me into a single upset gets them back into the season. Yeah. And if they lose this week, wow, all hell is breaking loose. So um, <laughs> Matthew says, is there an over under for Vikings turnovers per game too soon? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not yet. Um, <laughs> I assume miles saying I wouldn't do it is referring to Justin Fields. You're probably right, but <laughs> that's the whole point of, 
prize picks is that it doesn't cost very much. So anyway, this is really fun. Had a great time. Hopefully this lightened things up a little bit. We had a good time. Uh, it's felt like a pretty, pretty rough couple of days for Vikings fans. So thank you all for watching. Thank you as always, Jonathan Harrison. And we'll be back tomorrow with a live chat in the evening, about eight o'clock central as always. And uh, we will catch you all then. Thank you, everybody. Football.